0: Uh, Let's start in John chapter 6 this morning. And if you will, I want you to keep your Bibles handy. I want to go several different places. I don't often do that, uh, but it just seems like I've had this on my heart all week this week. And uh, it'll be a little bit unusual. Uh, I don't know if you uh, think about things the way that I think about things, and I don't mean that, that in a negative way, but. To me, I thought all week, John, it seemed like I thought this ought to be a Wednesday night message. This ought to be something I do on a Wednesday night. And, uh, but just seemed like the Lord just had on my heart. And right. I just want to do my best to be obedient to Him. Right. Uh, but we'll turn several places, mostly within the book of John, a few other places. Uh, but I won't, I won't preach a little while this morning. A few weeks ago, uh, we looked at, uh, the doctrine, I guess you would of uh, the depravity of man. And then we spent a week, if you remember, we looked at there in Luke 15, the three different uh, parts of that parable, how that one we could see, that we could see the three ways that man was a sinner, by birth, by nature, and then by choice. We also saw the role, if you would, of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost in our salvation. This morning, I want to deal with almost an unusual thing. It really, to me, Elaine, seems like it ought to be a Wednesday night. But uh, I want to preach this morning just for a little while on uh, the, the convicting ministry of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I want to make a statement, and I want you to listen to me carefully what I'm about to say. I don't want you to misconstrue what, I, what I'm going to say. We say a lot. And if you'll bear with me, I'll explain. We make the statement a lot, Michelle, that salvation is so simple that a child can understand. And I believe that to be true. Don't crucify me for what I'm about to say. I believe that to be true. I got saved when I was seven years old, I'm glad it's so simple that a child can understand it. But I, I read something this week, and I guess that's what's kind of got it in my mind. I was down in my office one day, and I was reading a book, and I... As uh, far as I know, I'd never read it before, no one. I really didn't know much about the guy that wrote it. But he made this statement, just one little small statement. He said, yeah, when you got saved, you may not have understood everything that God did in your life. And I thought to myself, that's true. I didn't have a clue what all happened the night I got saved. In fact, I'm still learning things that happened the night I got saved. But here's what got my attention. He said, but it'll be the joy of your life to figure it out over oh, the rest yeah. of it. Isn't that right? Well, I never get tired of finding out what happened the night I got saved. Yeah. And uh, it, I want to say this. While it is so simple that a child can understand it, the doctrines of salvation in, your, in the Bible are some of the deepest and richest doctrines that can ever be studied. I'm afraid sometimes we, uh, we don't spend enough time really delving in what happened when we got saved and I was thinking about this week I promise I'm going to preach in a minute if you was to ask 10 different preachers what does it mean to be under conviction by all rights you'd probably get 10 different answers it'd probably be different opinions different thoughts and we base a lot on how we felt and what we thought. But this morning, if the Lord had hit me, I may not get done, I don't have that many notes, but it's a broad topic to cover. If, if the Lord had hit me, I want to just look for a little while, scripturally speaking, not my opinion, not your opinion. I want to find out what the Bible has to say about the convicting ministry of the Holy Ghost. Let's look at it together. John chapter 6 and verse 44, that'll be our text this morning, then we'll... Spend the majority of our time in John 16. But here in John 6 and verse 44, I just read one verse. It's probably one of the most familiar when it comes to dealing with conviction. When you find your place stand with me, if you can, in Eva, oh, honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of the Lord. John chapter 6 and verse 44, the Bible said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. I'll raise him up at the last day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I should do love you this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege, the honor to be back in your house once again. Lord, I pray to help us now as we look into your word together. Lord, I pray to illuminate our hearts and minds with the truth of your word. Lord, I pray if there'd be one here today to scourge, would you encourage your heart? What if there'd be one more or 40 so away, would you draw them up close to you once again? Lord, I pray most of all, if they would been one of the midst lost, none of without you. Lord, I pray and save them for it's everlasting too late. Well, we'll thank and praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. You be seated, and thank you for standing. Now, uh, rightly so, no doubt, John 6, is one of the most... Uh, a common text, if you would, dealing with conviction, and I, I, I believe that I believe exactly what the Bible said Jesus yeah. said, "No man can come to me except the Father at which has sent him, sent me draw him. I'll raise him up at the last day." Here, in a nutshell, here's what he's saying: that uh, it, that John, we do not get saved that uh, we do not come to the Lord of our own accord. That we must first be drawn. Now, I told you a minute ago, it's a broad subject. And, uh, there's a lot I'd like to say. There is uh, a general drawing, by the way. Remember Jesus said uh, in John chapter 3, <coughs> talking to Nicodemus, he gives him the example of the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I draw all men. Under myself. That's a different drawing. Uh, I'm trying to get into it this morning, that's a different drawing, Kenny, than what he's talking about here in John 6. What he's saying here No man individually uh, can come to me except the Father that sent me draw him. It's an individual right. drawing that pulls and uh, draws an individual to Christ. Now, yeah, and we believe that this morning. I, I shouldn't say we believe that. Let me say, I believe that this morning, that it takes a supernatural growing of God for a man, a woman, boy, girl to come to Christ stand yeah. uh, But what is it, though? I, I, I've heard different people say different things. Uh, I've heard talk that you had to feel this way, or you had to think this way, or you had to do this or do that, or if we went around the room this morning, we understand that uh, if we took the time to start with Elaine and go all the way around, uh, every one of us would probably describe how we failed or what we thought uh, the night they, uh, we were under conviction a little bit differently. Uh, we, we're different people, so it, naturally it would happen different ways. Uh, for example, uh, I, 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 I'm kindly a nervous person anyway. I, I'm bad to get worked up. But, uh, when I do it, Lydia, I, 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 my mama always said I had a nervous stomach, is what she'd say. The first day of school, I almost always feel sick. I'd be nervous, and it, I'd tear my stomach. Now, our uh, injuries a little bit like that, but Aaron, he's different. Uh, uh, man, he gets nervous. He just wants to tackle it head on. I mean, he's just ready to get it done and over with. First day of school, he got out back. Uh, he said, there isn't time to go. I said, no, let's go anyway. Let's just get over there. He knew, he understood, he can just get there and, and tackle the head on It wouldn't be bad thing. It's only but we're different people there. So naturally, we deal with our emotions and these thoughts that we have different ways. So what is it scripturally? What is conviction this morning? Tell me if you would, Romans chapter three, just for a moment, Romans chapter three and I'll just read you a few verses and I, I know I don't have time to dig into it too deep and, but I, I hope it will be a to by the time we get done Romans chapter 3 this morning Romans chapter 3 let's look in verse number 10 well let's start reading in verse number 9 let's do that Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9 notice what your Bible says Paul of course writing to the Romans Paul said what then are we better than that No, no lies, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So in verse 9, Paul makes this argument again that both Jew and Gentile are both under sin. They're they're sinners, is that right? In verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 11, here's, here's the key. There is None. What's that mean? Neither Jew nor Gentile. There's not a Jew that can do these things. There's not a Gentile that can do these things. There is none righteous, no not one. In verse 11, he said, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh God. Now that's bold statement. Is yeah. that right? Here's what Paul said. There is nobody that understands the things of God, their natural state. Yeah. and then he says, "Kurt, there is none that seeketh after God." Right. That right? Yeah. See What's what it says, verse eleven? There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Verse twelve. They are all going down the way. They together become un- unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Do you see in the language, I don't have time to deal with it in detail too much, but do you see, I know Brother Kenny told on it a few weeks ago, and again and again and again, Paul says, no, not one. There is none. No, not one. Again and again and again and Again. And he says, John, in verse number 11, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. What Paul's are telling us is this, there is nobody in their natural state, I don't have time to go right now, we'll read it after a while, but in Ephesians 2, Paul dealing with the Ephesians, talks about what we were before we were saved. Yeah. What he's saying, John, in our natural state, remember we're sinners not only by choice, but we're sinners by nature yeah. and sinners by birth. What he's saying, Michelle, is there is no one, no, not one, that understands the things of God and no one that seeks after God or is on his own ability. Yeah. Is that right? So scripturally speaking, I'll tell you what conviction it is. This is the best definition I know how to give. I don't know how to feel it is. I don't know what you thought. I don't know everything that went through your mind. I can tell you how I felt, but then I don't mean you felt that way. And not anybody else is going to feel that way. I'll tell you what conviction is. Jesus said, no man comes to me except the Father which sent me wrong. Paul said, there's none that seeketh after God. Conviction of the Holy Ghost is this, John. It is when the Holy Ghost convinces and shines light on your heart and you begin to seek after God. Yeah. Right. That's the Bible definition of conviction. Now that may feel different for you than, than anybody else. You may think different than I did,
1: but it's when
0: the Holy Ghost illuminates your heart, then you begin to seek after God. Yeah. That's conviction. Right. Now, that's a broad definition. If you'll turn with me to John chapter sixteen, I'll try to give you a little bit more of what happened, what the Holy Ghost does in our hearts when we when He convicts us. John chapter sixteen. I know it's different this morning. Just bear with me. I'm, I'm doing my best to my all. John chapter sixteen. Let's start reading in verse number five. John chapter 16 and verse number 5. By the way, John 14, you remember the Lord starts preparing his disciples for his date. Remember John, let me flip over and read it so I don't mess it up while you're turning. John chapter 14, Hey, talks to he says, let my child be troubled. God believe also on me. My father's has many mansions. We're not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prayer place for you, we'll come again and receive them as where I am, there may be also whether I go, you know, and the way you know. He begins to start Nancy preparing me, but getting them ready for his departure. There in John 14, he tells them about verse 15, that, that when he leaves, a comforter will come. Chapter 15, he tells them the parable uh, uh, of the true vine. You remember that, how that he's the vine. They're the branches, and they're in him. He's in them. Without the vine, without him, they can do nothing. He's preparing them for life after his ascension. Then you'll find he begins to prepare them on through. Chapter 15, about how the world hates him and hate them. Then we get chapter 16. He's still in this thought, John, of getting them ready for his departure. Verse 5, chapter 16, Jesus said, but now... I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me whether goes there. But because I sent these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now he's getting trying to get them ready for his departure. And he tells them, You've not asked me where I'm going. But because I've sent these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. We find their heart broken. Notice the confusion in verse 5 and 6. They don't understand. They don't understand how this is going to happen. They don't understand how they're going to do what they've been doing, and him not be there. They don't understand that Sarah has filled their heart. They know Earl; he's getting ready to leave. They're not going to see him. They understand at this point. He's going to die. Yeah. They don't understand all this. They're confused, and Sarah has filled their heart. That's what the right. Bible said, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. So verse 5 and 6, they're confused. We'll see the confusion. They're not understand how they're going how they're going to function without him. This is the one they've trusted. This is the one they've walked with. This is the one they've seen do all these great miracles. This is the one they trusted in. This is the one they believe. This is the one they put their faith in. Kurt, now he's going to die. They're not going to let him understand that. And right. hey, the Bible said that sorrow had filled their heart. And in verse number seven, Jesus tells them it's interesting. that he, t- he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Here's what he said. Oh, my. I got, a, my, I got to bog to in on this so we get it. Here's what he's telling them. Now realize, Elaine, they've walked with him. They've ate with him. They've seen him perform miracles. They've heard him preach. They've heard him teach. They've seen him (laughs) raise the dead. They've seen him cause the blind to see. They've seen him heal lepers. They've seen him do all these miraculous and amazing things. It's not just they read about it. It's not just they believe with the eye of faith. But surely they saw all these things. John the Baptist, literally. Have you ever thought about when he talks about him laying his head on his bosom? That John the Baptist, literally, or John, John the Beloved. I'm sorry, literally, laid his head on the chest of Christ, and no doubt heard the beating within his faith. Here's what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is expedient for you that I go. What? Here's what he said. The word expedient, simplest definition I can give you right now, is this. It means Noah. What he's saying was this, it'll be better for you for me to go than it would be if I stayed. What about that? It's not for your what he's saying is, boys, it's not for your hurt. It's for your help. It's expedient that I go. Because, what's what he said? <laughs> if I go not, the company will not come. Yeah. What about that? What he's saying, John, is that when he leaves the Holy Ghost, he's going to send the Holy Ghost to come back to them. That was fulfilled, literally, on the day of Pentecost. Now, let me say something. Up until that point, it's not that the Holy Ghost was not there. He just had not manifested himself. What he was saying was, well, after Jesus ascended on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost uh, appeared unto them, quote, and things like that. I remember all that and he, now that was when they were back, that's when the Holy Ghost took a boat, inside of them and when they were indwelt by the Holy Ghost that happens for you and I at the moment of our salvation that's what happens, we're by the Holy Ghost Jesus has to be better he for him to leave. he'd send the Holy Ghost then for him to stay and then not see the comfort. Well, notice we see their confusion, but then we see the comfort, he gives them the promise of sending a comforter to them. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I do the truth and speak to so you, as I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now notice verse 8. It tells me in verse 8 what this comforter will do when he's come. Verse 8. When he, talking about the comforter, the Holy Ghost, is coming. He, oh, let me say something real quick. Verse 8's pretty important. And when he is God. What's what your Bible said? He will reprove the world of sin. I know you know this already, but let me say it quickly. The Holy Ghost is the third part of the Godhead. He is a He, not a It. It. Is that right? Yeah. And when He, the Holy Ghost, is God, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's interesting. Now, I told you a minute ago. They've walked with the Lord. They've talked with the Lord. They've been with Him. They've seen His miracles. And Jessica, He tells them it's better for them for Him to live and send the Holy Ghost than for Him to study. Now, there's a lot to unpack right there I don't have time to unpack all this morning. But I'm pretty interested, John, if it's better for them, for Him to live and send the comfort back, I'm pretty interested in what He says this comforter is going to do. It says when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That word reprove, it means to convict, to convince, and to shed light. That's what it means. He's talking about the convicted work of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. What he saying is the reason that it is more expedient for him to send the comforter, is because when the Holy Ghost, the comforter, is come, he'll reprove. It means to convince, to shed light upon, carries the idea of to convict. That's what conviction is, by the way. It means to convince. That's what it means. Oh, my. What he's saying is the, the convictive work of the Holy Ghost makes it expedient, more expedient, for him to live. See the comforter than it is for him to strive. I say it's pretty important. It? <laughs> it's better for them rather for the Holy Ghost to come and do the reproving of the word than it is for him to stay. Uh, there's several things we can see there, but I'll show you a few things quickly about this. So we see their confusion in verse 5 and 6. We see the comfort in verse 7. And then we see the convincing in verse 8. I want you to notice a few things. Now, in verse 9, 10, and 11, he goes into more detail of what he said in verse 8. Let's read it together. Verse 8, When he has come, he will prove the word of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, verse 9, verse 9, 10, 11, each verse will deal with one of those. Verse 9, Of sin, because they believe not on me. Verse 10, Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Verse 11, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Now, I I don't think I'm going to have enough time to get it done. We'll go as far as we can, I'll finish up next week or sometime. Uh, But let's look at them together. Let's look, first of all, at this convincing. Uh, So the Holy Ghost, when he's come, his first role, his first responsibility is to convince uh, or to reprove the world of sin. Look with me in verse number 9. Notice what he said, of sin... Because, here's why he has to do it, because they believe not on me. Now, I don't have time to spend a lot of time here, but I believe over the years, Ronald, there's been some misconception when it comes to conviction. When it comes to this idea of the conviction of sin. Now, Jesus himself is expounding this. And I, I'm afraid it goes back, Michelle won't talk about the other week, about how we're sinners three ways. We're sinners by nature, we're sinners by birth, and we're sinners by choice. That's true. All three are true for every single individual. Is that right? But here in our text, in verse number nine, he only says one thing about why it has to be done. I'm afraid sometimes we have this idea that when, we're, when an individual is convicted for their sin, that it's the Holy Ghost dealing with individual i want to say, it'd be real easy if I went to the right place Or I could go out here and find somebody on the street corner somewhere with a needle in their arm, a bottle in the side of them, them and a broken hole, and I mean, just sin ravaged their body. And I have no problem with it. makes yeah. very You mm-hmm. 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 have no problem with that at all. that means be easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can look at a needle sticking in your arm. Don't you know that's not good? The ball, yeah. right? Don't you know that's, where's the family? But what's sick? There's no problem with it. Yeah. But why is it? Why is it? And it seems like Kenny. I thought about it. It seems like we come in man, but. Really, we preach our God-gathering And there's people that sit on the church, kid, and man, they just seem like they're, they're unfucking. Yeah. Seem like they just go in one area out there. Yeah. I thought about Earl, I don't know how long it was from the time that uh, that, that, that Lee was praying for you, the time you got saved. I don't know how long <coughs> that was it was before I was for a while. But I thought, why is it that Why, 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 what took it so long? Well, finally, I'll come back. To it. I'll come back. To it. But I don't think on the job of the Holy Ghost is so much to convince and shine a light on every individual sin. Yeah. Now, it may use those sins in our life, the Holy Ghost may use those sins in our life to, to convict us. But let me say this. Nowhere in Scripture does it say I had to confess every individual sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all free. Now that I got saved, in my heart I knew I was a sinner. And all I said was over and over the Lord's name. Mm-hmm. I knew I was a sinner. I've been convinced. Light had been thrown in my heart. I realized I was a sinner. I just asked him to say Yeah. Is that right? We're not careful We put such an emphasis on these individual sins. But Jesus here in verse 9 puts emphasis not on individual sins. In fact, he puts emphasis on one individual mm-hmm. sin. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That the Holy Ghost will reprove the word of sin. Verse 9, he says of sin because they believe not on man. Uh-huh. All right? Not because they drunk alcohol, so not because they had to open their veins, not because they cursed it. Not because they have because they, uh, they have not believed. On him, that is the sin that right. that Jesus said the Holy Ghost would reprove the world right. for. That's what right. He will convince. Us. That's what He'll shed light on. That that yeah. they have not believed on him. And that makes sense? You'll say with me. I prove to you that makes sense. Turn with me if you would. John chapter three. John chapter three, this morning. John chapter 3 very familiar text John chapter 3 verse number 16 John chapter 3 and verse number 16 what's what your mind will see? verse 16 the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life now I know just about all of us. No guy could probably quote John three sixteen, But watch what he said in verse 17. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Watch verse 18, here it is. He that believeth on him, about, he that believeth on Christ, that is not condemned. Watch what he said. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Watch what he said. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now stay with me. It didn't say he's condemned already because he didn't obey his mom and dad. Right. It didn't say, John, he's condemned because he didn't, uh, because he didn't uh, do what his mom and daddy said. It didn't say he was condemned because he told a lie. It didn't say he was condemned because I, uh, that he drunk a beer. It didn't say he was condemned because he uh, committed adultery for a case. It say uh, he, he was condemned because he uh, had this or that. None of that said this or that. he's condemned that because he has not believed. That right? right. That's what he's saying. Yeah. It's what your Bible said. Now, I know some of you get nervous, you think, preacher, out. that goes against everything I've ever heard. I'm not trying to be me. I'm going to be real careful how I say it because sometimes I get preaching and I come across smart, I come across hate, but I don't mean to come across that way. So I'm going to try to calm down and say it real nice and calm. And i want to say this on a long time ago. I don't care what grandma said, I don't care what grandpa said, I don't care what the preacher said. I want to know what the Bible said. Right? I want to yeah. know what the Word of God said. I'm telling you the job of the Holy Ghost uh, is not so much to convince and convict uh, of every individual seeing sin, uh, but it's to show the one thing that separates us from God uh, is the fact that we have not believed uh, on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and he that believeth is not condemned. But Jesus said, He that believeth not is condemned already. Right. Watch what your Bible said here in John 3, verse number 18. Notice left for that verse that he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Right. He stretches it yet again, Kirk. It's not because of individual sins. He's condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That? Yes. That's the job of the Holy Ghost. Yes. First thing he does is to reprove the work of sin. All right? that right? Mm-hmm. Not of individual sins. Not of not, not really the individual things we do. But in the conviction of sin, his job is to show them the sin of the fact they have not believed yeah. on the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's right. Is that right. Yeah. Oh, yes. That night, that those nights, I was under conviction. I'm not telling you this morning, Michelle, I'm not saying it didn't on me that I had disrespected my parents. I'm not telling you it ever dawned on me. It may, but it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. His job is to show you there's not a place in your life where you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. The proof of the world of sin, behold, they have not believed on the Lord. Now watch this. Let me hurry. Let me quickly hurry this morning. Notice verse ten. The Bible said, "Let me get back over." John sixteen, verse ten. The Bible said, "Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more." Now, isn't that a stark difference? First thing he does is reprove, convince, shed the light on concerning sin. she have not believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the next thing he does is to shed light, convince of righteousness. And what's he talking about? The righteousness of man? Well, the Bible says, man, we recommend minute go in Romans chapter 3. There is none righteous. No, not one. Neither Jew nor Greek, there's none that understand. There's none that seeketh after God. Romans three twenty three says, "For all that sin and come short of the glory of God." There is none good. All our righteousness is a filthy rags. Can't be talking about our righteousness. Watch what Jesus said. The Holy Ghost will come after He departs. His job is to reprove, convince, shed light on to the whole world of sin and righteousness, verse 10 of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more here's what he's saying John, he's getting ready to ascend to the father, there's not a on one of us please God don't 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 fall out with me, there's not a on one of us in this room this morning that is physically laid eyes on Jesus is that right? If you have See, somebody besides me at the church, I'm going to look at <laughs> But I, what I'm saying is, listen, he said, I'm getting ready to see my father. You're not going to see me anymore. And so the job of the Holy Ghost not only home is going to be to convince of sin because they have not believed on me. But he's going to convince them of righteousness because I have sinned and they'll see me no more. Here's what he's talking about. It's not the righteousness of my life not to convince us that we're righteous. He convinces us of sin. But then, John, he convinces us of the righteousness of Christ. Because I don't sin. I've never walked with him. I've never talked with him. I've never ate with him. I've never, all those things have not happened. I my conviction conviction. If, if you'd be honest, you'd have to agree. Our, our stories, our specifics may be somewhat different, but you would agree. He showed you you were a sinner. And then he pointed you to the righteousness of Christ. Uh, However that may be. Let me hurry. I've got to hurry. If I hurry real, real quick, I'm not going to get done by 1230. I, I know that makes somebody know That won't bother me. But 1230 is a good time. Uh, this is a, a reference to the righteousness of Christ. Uh, the imputed righteousness of Christ. It's interesting though, let me say this quickly. There are three imputations mentioned in Scripture. Now, Three general imputations. The first one is that of this. Remember we looked at the other other day. Adam sinned in the garden. Remember according to the book of Romans. By by one man sinning in the world. And death by sin. Now sin is passed unto all men. Even those John that didn't sin. After the similitude of Adam. So what happened was this. Adam sinned in the garden. And the sin of Adam was imputed. To all mankind. Even though, Michelle, we may not have sinned after the similitude of Adam, his sin was imputed as the father of all men, his sin was imputed to all men. Therefore, we're all born sinners. Is that right? Yeah. The second imputation, why like this one, happened several thousand years after us. Happened at Calvary. When the God hit me, when the sin of all mankind was imputed to Christ. He, the Bible says, he that knew no sin, but came sin for us. Yeah. God, I, I wish I could explain it to you, but to be honest with you, my mind can't comprehend it. But God took the sins of the whole world, came to the grave, and wrote it all together, placed it on Christ, that yep. poured out his judgment on Christ at Calvary. And Christ paid the sin debt for all mankind. Every man, woman, boy, girl, that ever has lived, lives now, or ever will live. He paid their sin debt at Calvary when the sin of man was imputed on Christ. The picture is there of the scapegoat in the Old Testament on the great day of atonement. Remember how the priest put that scapegoat between his legs and and placed his hands on the forehead of that scapegoat and confessed upon that scapegoat the sins of the people and the fit man would take him into a land not inhabited to never be seen again. That's the picture that that the sins of the congregation of Israel were imputed On that scapegoat. Doesn't mean he became a sinner. It just means that he bore their sin. That's what Christ did at Calvary. He bore our sin. (laughs) Then the third imputation of scripture. Is dealing not with sin so much. But with righteousness. It is the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's imputed to all that believe on him. Same idea. Wow, John. It does not mean that we can be righteous. But his righteousness is placed on us and imputed to us without merit. Is that right? Yeah. Just as he became sin, never sinned, he was not a sinner, but he became sin for me. The night I trust him or I'm not saved, God imputed the righteousness of Christ to me. Even though I could not be righteous, there's no righteousness in my he imputed the righteousness of Christ to me. That's the three imputations in Scripture. That's the second role of the Holy Ghost in this convicting, in this convincing, this reproving, if you would, Let me read a few things quickly. Uh, not only does the Holy Ghost convince sinners of sin, but he also convinces and brings to light that the only answer is the righteousness of Christ. There's no works or deeds on the part of the sinner that can ever make them righteous in the eyes of God. That's what happened. If you're here tonight saved by the grace of God, that is what happened whenever you were under conviction, as we would say, when the Holy Ghost were approved you, that individual call, He showed you you were a sinner because you had not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and He convinced you and shed the light in your heart and life that the only answer, there was nothing in you that could ever be good enough to be right and righteous in the eyes of God. You must trust the righteousness of Christ. Yeah, right. So he approves of sin, approves of righteousness. So about to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Real quick this morning. Romans chapter 4. I'll do my best not to say much, but I want to get this. I'm going I to do my best if I can. I'd like to read you the whole chapter. And I realize it's getting late. I know, I know, you got places to go. I realize that I do, but I want you to try your best. Bear with me just for a minute, okay? And I'll do my best to hurry. But I want you to see this: Romans chapter four. I know Brother Kenny dealt with it, but Paul uh, brings up—it's interesting—he brings up Abraham even before the law, mm-hmm. before Calvary, and proves that we're not saved by works, we're saved by the imputed righteousness of Christ. When we believe. Watch what he said. I'll do my best not to say much. What shall we say in verse 1. That Abraham our father. as pertained to the flesh and found. For if Abraham were justified by works. He hath whereof the glory. But not before God. For what saith the scripture. Abraham believed God. There it is faith. He believed God. Yeah. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh. Is the reward not reckoned of grace. But of debt. Him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 6, he talks about David. David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. There it is, without works. We didn't deserve it. God just imputed it to us. Verse 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What about that? I know we're dealing with conviction, but what about that? Not only, oh my, bless my heart, not only did he the night I got saved, not only did he impute to me the righteousness of Christ, but that's all he imputes to me. Listen, John, he will not impute, sin When he looks at me, my standing, my position in Christ. Uh, he doesn't see my faults and failures. Uh, all he sees is the righteousness of Christ. What about yeah. that? Watch this verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision of That's talking about Jew, Gentile. Or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Here is what Paul said: It wasn't because Abraham was circumcised God imputed righteousness. He imputed righteousness to him before he was ever circumcised. Right. Verse eleven: He received the sign of the circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith. Oh, I'd like to deal with that. Which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Verse twelve: The father of circumcision of them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of, of that faith of our father Abraham when he had been yet so uncircumcised. Verse 13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. What about that? Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the same. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made their father many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. May not weaken the faith he considered his own body now dead. they not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God. Verse 21 Being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, what about that? Here's what caused Abraham to be imputed as righteous: he just believed God, right. being fully persuaded that what He said He'd be able to perform. And what happened that I got saved? I just believed God, yeah, mm-hmm. that what He said He was able to perform. Watch what Paul said: I love verse 23. Now it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to him, verse 24, but for us also. What about that? to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification here's what Paul said it wasn't just written that Abraham believed God for him alone but it written for us as well that if we would believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead what Paul saying is this that's what's imputed to us too. it's still not what we do it's not what we deserve it's by faith God sees our faith and imputes it. And, uh, for us for right, What time is it? If I hurry, can I give you one more and be done? i come back and break a little short message on verse number 12. John 16. Let's hear it. John 16. Verse number 11. The Bible said of judgment calls oh, let me say this. Not only does the Holy Ghost convince sinners of sin, but he also convinces bring life to the only answer the righteousness of Christ. There are no works or deeds on the world's ever make him righteous in the eyes of God. Then in verse 11, he deals with judgment. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. All right. Now, I'm going to hurry. I'm gonna, I'd love to say more, but I'm going to hurry. Verse 11 is he's talking future tense. He's going to send the cup for the when the comforter is come, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, you're going see, verse 11 is a fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. We just looked at that a few weeks ago, looking through Genesis. Let me read it to you. You don't have to turn it. Let me read you the verse so you can remember. You'll remember God's pronouncing, verse 14, he pronounces the curse on the serpent in the garden and then in verse 15 he says and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel that happened all the way back in Genesis 3 15 when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden what the Holy Ghost does is reproved to convince shed light on the fact that happened I'll show you what it says at Calvary what's what he said verse 11 of judgment because the prince of this world is judged at Calvary the fate of Satan was forever seen. alright that is the crowning point of all time at Calvary oh my remember that the seat of the serpent would bruise the heel of Christ but the seat of the woman would bruise his head and at Calvary Christ doing what Adam could not do. The fate of Satan was sealed at Calvary. Alright? Now watch this. Let me hurry. I don't want to spend too much time. I want, I want, I want to go quick. Judgment has already been passed even if it has not yet been Now that judgment, that fate will not be carried out until Revelation 20. But mark my words, Satan has been defeated. We don't have this morning to sit and twiddle our thumbs and wonder who's going to win. The judgment has been cast even if it's not being carried out. The last responsibility of the Holy Ghost in this area of conviction is to convince or bring to light the truth of judgment to those who fail to believe the Lord Jesus Christ and have his righteousness imputed to them. Because Satan Has been judged. The prince of this world has been judged, is what he said. Come on, real quick to Ephesians 2. And I'm done right here. Ephesians 2. Look with me at verse number 1. I'm going to read several verses, but I promise you, I won't read the whole chapter. I promise. Ephesians 2. I want you to notice this. And I'm done. Ephesians 2, verse 1. The Bible said, and you hath he quickened who were dead and trespassed and sins. What? First 2? Wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world. Watch this. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Watch verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. The lust of our flesh, fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse four, and verse ten gives us. Verse four says, "But God." The whole The whole paragraph changes. And he gets talking about John. What God has done, so that we don't have to be in verse one, verse three, so that we don't have to live there. Now, once you notice what he says, verse two, wherein in time past he was according, of this word according to the prince of the power of the air. You know what that's talking about the prince of this world. Say. So, He's saying, John, that we all walk according to the prince of the power of the air. We walk according to the prince of this world. We walked according to the Satan. That's what he's saying. That we were of him. We were of him. We walked according to him. What we said, verse three. Among them also, we all had our conversation with that That word "conversation" doesn't I mean our speech; it means our walk of life, our conversation. Time passed from the lust of our flesh and the desires of the flesh of the mind and work by nature the children of Christ. Here's what Paul's telling us that we were all before we outside, saved according to the prince of this world. Jesus told us in John 16 that the Holy Ghost will prove the word of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Genesis 3.15 i said it many times but it's so fitting maybe you see it right here Genesis 3.15 he pronounces the curse on Satan and after the curse in, in, in verse 14 verse 15 after the curse on Satan he gives the promise of and then in verse 16 on there he curses man and the earth and woman but the cure is provided before the curse on man what? there right? Huh? There is no cure for Satan. His doom, his, his fate has been done. The problem is every one of us before we're saved walk according to the, of the And unless or something happens, our fate's going to be the same as The verse Genesis 3.15 is in the There is a promise that was given before man, before God ever cursed like that. That's the job of the Holy Ghost. To show us that there is judgment for us. There is judgment that's come. The prince of this world is just. Boy, do you remember that night and day you under conviction how real it became to you that you deserve to go to hell, that you deserve to be just, that that's where you are going. Well, my, but it's not just that, but it's already shown us we deserve to go to The Holy Ghost already us we deserve to go to hell. But there is a righteous Christ. All right, his righteousness can be imputed to us. But the last, thing, the last ministry that he has is to show us that judgment is coming. Yeah. Thank God he points out that while the prince of this world will be judged, then if we don't believe the Lord Jesus Christ, there'll be judgment for us as well. But thank God he points us to Christ show us we don't have to go to justice our faith does not have to be the same in fact let me read you you're there in Ephesians 2 let me read you verse 4 just because I like it so good Watch what he said but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us again with Christ. by grace you're saved and has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the angels to come He might show sure the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that, and that not yourselves it is the gift of God. Oh, I ought not to break, but now I want to say something. Zach. I, I preached that for years. Uh, it is the gift of God that it was talking about salvation. Now, uh, don't fall out with me. I don't have time to deal with it. Some of you are ready to leave right now. And I, I'm trying to hurry. So just, uh, I'll I, I preach it sometime, I promise. Uh, uh, but, John, I don't think he's talking about salvation. I think when you look at it grammatically, what he's saying, Michelle, is that uh, we're saved by grace through faith, uh, not of yourselves. It is. The gift of God. I think he's talking about faith. What about that? What he's saying, it's not talking about salvation, I don't believe. I believe what he's saying is that uh, it's by grace. That's the free merit of God. Uh, and it's by through faith. Uh, that's the gift of God. What it means is this. God doesn't even expect us to muster up our faith. Uh, the Bible tells us that God is debt to every man a certain measure of faith. That. Uh, what he's saying is this: God's done it all. Uh, he give you the faith uh, to even put in it. Right? What about it? I got to hear it. First nine, not of works, lest any should boast, for his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, the good works which God was before and made that we should walk in them. That's the job of the Holy Ghost in conviction this morning: It's to draw men to Christ, to get them seeking after Christ, in the way that He does that is simply by showing up, reproving, convincing us of sin that we have not believed in Christ. Yes. Convincing us of the righteousness of Christ is the only thing that can please God. Then convincing us, Michelle, that there is judgment for those who fail to believe. That's the God of the Holy Ghost. Scripturally speaking, Earl, that is what conviction is. And I don't know how that feels. Everybody. I don't know actually what everybody thinks. I do know scripture this week. That's what Holy Ghost conviction is. Jesus said, "No man can come to me, except my Father which sent me." All of the earth. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's so much something that you have to feel a certain way or you have to think a certain way. I really believe, that what he's saying is there's no man that's ever going to come to me unless the Holy Ghost does those things in his heart. It's not that man's trying to get to God. God saying, No, you can't come until this happens. Yeah. It's like the fact that man has no interest in coming to God. Yeah. Until God does a work in his heart and draws and him right. The it. Let's stand feet. Musicians that work in this on the rotation.